I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. California's redwood trees are some of the most spectacular flora on the planet. The redwood can live for 1,800 years. They're some of the tallest trees in existence. Some of them soar as high as 360 feet. That's more than 21 stories. It's taller than the Statue of Liberty. Redwoods are evergreen with tall trunks and horizontal branches that stretch out at the top. The wood is reddish-brown, hence the name, and they're only found along a narrow strip of the Pacific coast. They're a beloved emblem of America's wilderness. But these trees also hold a secret, one that's been hiding in the forest for generations. The ghost trees. Scattered throughout the redwood forest are trees with pure white branches. Some of them have just a few of these colorless branches, Other ones are half and half, and a small handful are completely white. Now, trees get their food through photosynthesis. They collect sunlight on their leaves, and they turn it into energy by combining it with carbon dioxide and water. But plants need a special protein to do this. It's called chlorophyll. And it's this protein that gives plants their green color. So white plants don't have any chlorophyll in them. How can they even survive? The trees have fascinated people for years, but since they're so rare, they haven't been well studied. Some people have attributed all kinds of mystical significance to the trees without really understanding how they even exist. On today's show, we'll cover these strange, beautiful plants, the significance people have attached to them, and meet a scientist who's dedicated his entire career to cracking the case. This is Science Solved It, and today's episode, The Ghost of the Forest. Welcome to the season finale of Science Solved It, motherboard show that explores the world's greatest mysteries that were solved by science. I'm Kaylee Rogers. These strange white redwood trees are known as albino redwoods, and they're extremely rare. Experts estimate that there's only 441 in existence. And when scientists or park rangers find one, they keep it a secret to protect it from tourists who might take clippings or manhandle the trees. 
Without any chlorophyll in the leaves, these albino branches have a white, waxy hue. I've heard some people describe it as the color of those glow-in-the-dark plastic stars, you know, kind of like a sickly white. And without any chlorophyll, these trees shouldn't exist. They can't do the one thing trees need to do to survive. They have no way of producing food, and so they shouldn't be able to grow. They should die, but they don't. That's Zane Moore. And I'm a University of California Davis graduate student. Zane became interested in albino redwoods when he was a teenager, after hearing about the trees on a local radio station. So I first learned about them in 2008. I said, okay, I want to find one of these things and see what they actually look like and see if they're as weird as everyone says they are. This interest led him to a career studying the genes of trees. Zane is particularly interested in albino chimeras. That's where half the tree is green and the other half is white. Though these plants do have chlorophyll on half of their leaves, it still doesn't explain why the other half stays white. In winter, the tree is really physiologically connected. So the sugars, the food in the plant, gets shared between branches and the main stem and the roots, and they, it gets shared all over the place. Once the growing season starts, since the branches should be able to photosynthesize and feed themselves, the tree cuts off the branches physiologically so that each branch has to feed itself. If the branch can't feed itself, the branch falls off and dies. So these albino branches can't feed themselves so they shouldn't be there. So the question was, what allows these to persist and not basically die and fall off the tree? Why does the tree keep these alive? In the summertime, when trees start growing, each branch gets basically cut off from the rest of the tree. They're on their own. And without any chlorophyll, the white branches can't produce their own food, so they should die and fall off. But with the albino redwoods, this doesn't happen. Some enthusiasts have likened these trees to vampires, sucking the lifeblood out of healthy trees to keep their undead bodies alive. But Zane told me that theory never really made much sense to him, or to anyone who really knows how trees work. There are only about 300 species of plants that are parasitic, so that naturally live off of another plant or some other organism to survive. There's only about 300 species that do that. And all your other plants, they're all green, and they can have albino mutations, but they're very rare. In the case of coast redwood, coast redwood has the highest documented number of albino mutations known. And so, you know, figuring out why these exist, that, that's kind of exciting. It seemed unlikely to Zane that these white trees and partially white trees were parasitic. But because they're so rare and unusual, not a lot of research had been done on them. When he started studying these trees, Zane began working with a man named Tom Stapleton. He's an arborist over in the Sierra Nevada, so fairly close here to Davis. Tom has been trying to understand the albino redwoods since Zane was in diapers. He has learned how to grow the chimeric redwoods. So he can, he can take a half green, half white tree and grow it in a greenhouse, in a lab. So with these trees, he grew them back in 96, and he found that the green tissues 
would always beat out the white tissues when he grows them in the lab. But in the wild, the opposite is true. So he didn't really know what was happening. When Tom would grow these Chimera redwoods, the half-white, half-green variety, in a lab, over time, the trees would do exactly what you'd expect. They'd shed the useless white limbs. But in the wild, those white limbs stick around. Sometimes they even take over the green branches. It seems weird that a plant would have this useless branch or even set of branches that does nothing. We know of one tree, like here's a pretty weird example, but one tree, almost a fifth of its crown is like this big albino branch system. A crown of a tree is all of its branches. So a fifth of its branches is this big like albino branch system in this old growth tree. To figure out why these trees would keep such a weird mutation in the wild, but not in the lab, Zane realized that he needed to find out more about the trees that are in the forest. So he went out to find them and map them. By looking at where the trees were growing in the forest, Zane finally got a clue about why these trees exist in the first place. And the idea was way more exciting than a vampire tree. When we come back from the break, We'll cover some of the mystical theories people have concocted around these strange trees before we reveal what Zane learned about the real purpose for the ghost of the forest. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our first season of the show. We've had a lot of fun making it. Next week, we're going to be airing a special sort of postseason wrap-up, and we would love to include you on the show. If you have any comments, any questions, any suggestions, please call 718-732-8191 and leave a message. We're going to collect some of the voicemails and include them on the show next week. So please, if you have any feedback for us at all, we'd love to hear it. Welcome back. Zane wasn't the first person to become fascinated with the albino redwoods. They've been capturing people's imaginations for years, and they've attracted some kind of bizarre theories about their significance. If you go online or look in books, there's a lot of writing about how the trees were of special cultural significance to the Pomo Native American tribe. They say that this tree was used in special spiritual cleansing ceremonies, and that the trees were known as the spirit tree. Zane had heard this story, too. So I've heard that the Native Americans hold these trees special. They're very secretive about their locations. I'm not exactly sure why that is. I don't know. They're kind of like like a legendary part of the forest. So Native Americans hold them, them special. But I reached out to several Pomo members for this episode, as well as some Native American scholars. They all told me no. There's nothing special about the albino redwood, at least when it comes to their cultural traditions and ceremonies. It seems people just kind of attach this special significance without actually, you know, talking to any Native Americans. In fact, the only people who did seem to consider the albino redwood to be spiritually significant were hippies. There was one kind of funny story. With one albino redwood, people would pick off leaves and, like, make a tea out of it kind of the hippie generations would go and, and uh, collect albino leaves and make a tea out of it and, and drink the tea. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why they would drink it, but probably just because it's, you know, something weird, 
So why not make a tea out of it? I don't know. Making a tea out of albino redwoods isn't really a great idea, which you'll soon understand once I tell you about Zane's hypothesis. So to solve the mystery, Zane and Tom started tracking where all the albino redwoods are in the forest. And they noticed a pattern. All of the albino trees crop up along the edge of where the redwoods grow. So the patterns that we notice is that these albino redwoods typically like to grow on transition zones. A transition zone is an area where there are redwoods existing in one part, and then there's a line where the redwoods just stop. They don't grow on the other side of the transition zone. So the forest transitions to, say, grassland, or redwood forest transitions to Douglas fir forest. So we started finding them at transition zones, and that indicates that if the redwoods can't grow there, something is stressing the redwoods out. Basically, there's a reason why the redwoods don't grow another 20 feet across this transition zone boundary. And these albinos are typically right on the transition zone boundary or very, very nearby. Due to environmental conditions, there's some areas where the redwood range just kind of tapers off. The trees don't grow beyond that point. And that's exactly where all these albino redwoods kept showing up on these borderlands. So we thought, okay, what causes these boundaries? Next step was collecting clippings from all of the albino trees, both white branches and green. When Zane tested them, he found something remarkable. The white branches were saturated with toxic, heavy metals. They typically had twice as many metals in them as the green branches. They were just drinking this stuff up, and it should have been enough to completely kill the white branches. But the white branches survived. They even thrived with these metals. Were they really vampires after all? Yeah, so why, why, why would the white cells do better? This comes back to chlorophyll and photosynthesis. Typically, in an area where soil is contaminated with a lot of these toxic, heavy metals, those metals can leach into a plant and disturb the chlorophyll. In environments where there is high heavy metals, those heavy metals can actually poison the pathways making chlorophyll and make a chlorophyll molecule that basically cannot photosynthesize. So heavy metal poisoning, a human example would be lead poisoning. In this instance, we're seeing heavy metals take the place in the chlorophyll molecule, rendering it useless for photosynthesis. But as we already mentioned, the white limbs don't have any chlorophyll to begin with. So there's nothing for the metals to disrupt. So the albino tissues don't make chlorophyll, they don't even have to worry about photosynthesizing because some other part of the plant is photosynthesizing for them. So presumably they can accumulate more toxins without having to worry about keeping themselves alive. They basically are reliant on the green parts of the plant to survive, so they don't need to worry about making their own food. The white part of the plant sucks up huge amounts of this toxic metal from the soil, while the green part stays healthy, and it gives the white branches the energy they need to survive. Zane said this exchange where, you know, you take all the toxins and I'll give you the food. It's still just a hypothesis, but it would explain how these white trees are able to remain alive and why they would grow in such difficult terrain. It's like an investment. An investment's a good way to look at it, but it's important to also note that plants can't say like, oh, I'm going to invest in this branch. So it's one of these things where if the plant does better photosynthetically overall, that's probably why it keeps the branch rather than 
loses it, but the mechanisms are kind of unclear. If you think about it from the plant perspective, if the plant invests a little bit of its sugars into creating this white, useless structure, and that useless structure actually allows the plant to grow quicker, then the plant would want to do that again. And year after year, grow that out, and so that's where you get these big albino branches. Right now, Zane is in the middle of an experiment to test this hypothesis. He's growing chimera redwoods, the half-white, half-green ones, in healthy soil and in high-metal soil to see which conditions preserve the white branches better. He's also comparing them to normal trees to see if the ones with albinism actually do better in the metallic soil than the regular trees. We have a snapshot and, and some fairly good evidence in the wild, so now it's just a matter of time, you know, a matter of growing these things. Literally a matter of time before we have a good idea of what's happening. It may not be a vampire, but it's a pretty stellar example of nature's ability to adapt. And that's pretty mystical to me. Science Solved It is a production of Vice Media and Motherboard. To see photos of these trees, visit motherboard.vice.com. On last week's episode, I misspoke. I said that 3% of the population has photosensitive epilepsy. In fact, it's 3% of people who have epilepsy, which only amounts to 0.03% of the entire population. We're going to update the episode to correct the mistake. Remember to call 718-732-8191 if you have any feedback for the show, and we might air your call on next week's postseason wrap. This episode was produced by Tim Barnes and me, Kaylee Rogers. It was edited by Tim Barnes. Production assistance was provided by Charu Singha, Shamika Lywood, Emma Griffith, and Olivia Henderson. Special thank you to KDVS 90.3 FM. Our theme music is by Reximus. Thank you so much for listening to our first season. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.